Welcome back, everybody, to the Listen In Podcast with Jake and Sean. It's episode 149. We are one episode away from a very special 150th episode. Jake, should we announce what our annual March Madness bracket is going to be? I think we know what the decision was. Yeah. I think so, too. You can, you can go ahead. Okay. I don't know how this actually hasn't been done before. It's crazy that we haven't done we it. We are doing a March Madness bracket of all-time best Beatles songs. Now, let me explain here. This is our favorite Beatles songs. This isn't the objective one. This is going to be Mike McCready getting to like the Elite Eight all over again, where something like, I don't know... Benefit of Mr. Kite somehow beats out Hey Jude in like the second round. Not if I that's not going to happen, but like things like that may happen. Yeah. No. As a distinction, we did do a a, in our we did our top fifty Beatles songs of all time. Of all time is a weird thing to say, I guess, because there's there's no more. It's it's encapsulated. It's in amber. Mm -hmm. We know the Beatles songs. Mm -hmm. That's their whole catalog. Um, so we did that, but this will be a little different. This will be like there might be upsets. Yes. We might go to the coin, which The people... coin will make it at least one appearance, if not six, seven, eight, nine, ten appearances, Jake. <laughs> and we will talk about what kind of coin it is, what year. Oh, oh that's, that's maybe the most important part. That's part of the fun. Now, I think in the past, listeners, of which there are no longer any, for, for reasons like this. <laughs> the Father John Misty stuff, the constant Beatles talk. Yeah. Flipping the coin. Uh, I think we've been better on the Beatles. It's not like we bring them up. I every... mean, dude, we talked about them like three weeks ago. We will reference them in an episode, but it's not okay. a whole talking right. point. That's true. I don't think. But um, we'll go to the coin on something we can't decide. And exactly. then it's just fate. Yes. Who knows? So in years past, we've split this up over the course of two or three weeks. I think what we're going to do, because it's our 150th episode and it's our favorite band of all time, it's going to just be a very special episode of the Listening Podcast. We're going to knock it out all in one. Yep. I think gonna... that's that's the way to go. So stay tuned for that. That is coming Monday of next week, late Monday, early Tuesday. Keep an eye on your podcast feeds for that. But Jake, this week, we have a little bit of news that we missed talking about last week. We did. And this might be very telling that we didn't bring it up. Well, I think it actually came out right as we were recording or something because okay. I was doing the math on how many hours ago the Pitchfork story came out when I saw it. Anyways, the story is, um, so Vampire Weekend announced the release date for their new album, Father of the Bride. It's coming out uh, May 3rd, the 3rd of May as uh, Fleet Foxes would sing it. That's right. Josh Tillman's birthday. Um, and to mention Father John Misty again. But um, <laughs> so Vampire Weekend dropping the album, they also put out their second set of two singles. Yep. Um, these ones called Sunflower and Big Blue. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, a couple things. One, the album cover, which we had already seen, but everyone was acting like it was new. Like on Twitter, people were acting like, oh, this is... Well, was it the first time it was officially announced as the album cover? I don't think people were quite sure that it was going to be the album cover. I'm not sure. Maybe it was the first time they really made it. I I think it was. They pushed it. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's basically... It's like a cartoon picture of just the globe on a white background. And it says very prominently... Sony Music at the it, bottom. At the bottom. Now, Vampire Weekend with their first three albums had a really specific kind of template for what they were working with visually and aesthetic that I really, really like. Same font, same kind of like square framing of faded the image picture on of it. some kind. They went in the complete opposite direction here. I do not like this album cover. And you know what, Jake? I think this we're always going to look back on this and say, you know what? 
we should have known with that album cover coming out because Pitchfork's review of, of Sunflower in particular and some of the feedback that this single has gotten, I think is getting us ready for maybe like a let down Vampire Weekend well, album. Let down in the terms of I think the reviews might be worse. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Because I and, and this is actually really interesting. So like in the Sunflower review, uh, they talked about how it was like it kind of reminded them of a jam band and in in sort and they said in questionable taste. And I read the Instagram replies to that. Yeah. Everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Questionable taste. Like, what does this mean? Right. And people were like, Pitchfork's dead. Like, they were just right. saying, they're just trolling Pitchfork right. in the re- replies. And, like, other people pick up on the same bullshit we do. Like, oh, yeah. especially when it's an artist you care about and a song you like. Like, something like that is, it seems like not, like, they were like, like, Ezra Kane, you can hear him laughing at the beginning, which means, like, he's mocking this form. Oh, and it's God. like, not really. Like, I, I don't think you can hear him laughing. Right. And like, so here's the other thing. I like this song. I like Sunflower. Big Blue feels similar to 2021 where it's this short little idea. Well, yeah. More it, of an interstitial it, song. It, it Agreed. And it feels like an A-side, B-side kind of deal. Yep. And I think knowing how long this album is, you know, it's a double album. There's going to be some shorter songs on there that are just little like vignettes or ideas. That's ditties. Totally, yeah, exactly. Little ditties, little bops. That's totally fine. Sunflower, you know, I read the reviews. I think there was a lot of negativity out there about it. I went in with kind of low expectations based off of that. I actually liked this song. I it was too. good. It was fine. I like it a good amount. What I will say, Jake, I have not returned to this song since I listened to it the first time. That might be telling because mm-hmm. when the singles for Modern Vampires of the City came out, I was listening to those constantly. I will say so. So I've returned to it several times. Okay. I actually I like Sunflower. Has I, it held up on repeat listens? Yeah, I like okay. it. I liked it more with repeat listens. Okay, but what I'll say about this is that there are some unpromising signs. Among yeah. among them, the production feels lacking on these songs. Do you think a little Rostam bit. not being in the band anymore? A hundred percent being felt. 100, I 100% do too. And like I think everyone is starting to see that. I think so too. So I, I still when this album comes out I'm going to open arms I'm going to you know in an open mind. Yep. Open uh, heart. Open heart. Um, but I have some concerns some red flags. That being said you know of the four songs that came out Harmony Hall is the one I actually think the least of just in terms of like I, I don't really it's fine but I, I think 2021 and Big Blue have like interesting little ideas mm-hmm. and I think they're catchy if they really are more of some of the smaller um, gestures on the album uh, and I think Sunflower is a cool track and something different um, if there's not some more substance to fill out the track list I do have mm-hmm. some concerns though I would it's say. a little concerning it's a little slight that the first two singles are are these songs though. I can't say that these are even among like Harmony Hall and Sunflower aren't close to the strongest Vampire Weekend songs. And no. I think if you're rolling these out as the first two singles, that's a little concerning. You know what would be kind of an interesting move by by Ezra um, would be to 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 sort of hustle everybody. And be like, and put out just some of the more curiosity songs because Harmony Hall definitely feels like it's one where he's like, okay, I went for it here. It's like four and a half minutes. It's a it's a song song. Even Sunflower, which feels more major than either Twenty Twenty One or Big Blue, it's only barely two minutes. Yeah, that's true. So like maybe he's just putting out some of the more the the slighter things. I, I, that could be a move. A gun to your head, Jake. Is this album their worst album? Yeah. 
Okay. Yep. I think so too. I, I think, think it, it will be, be too. Uh, that being said, like I love their other three albums. Right. So, and I really like what Ezra Koenig does. So, and based on the songs, like I, I think I'll probably at least like it. I, yeah. I think I'll listen to it a fair amount. And oh, like, yeah. I'm not gonna jump on the um, Vampire Weekend hate train just because mm-hmm. when this Sunflower song came out, it kind of blew Twitter up actually in the moment. Yeah. It, like, and people were like. I mean, Andy Greenwald, actually. Culture critic Andy Greenwald. Slash TV writer. writer. He was talking about how the album cover and the jammier kind of Dave Matthews sound on Sunflower. He was like, this is the biggest like 90s mood ever. Pretty much. And like a lot of people were saying that. They were like, okay, Vampire Weekend's a jam band now. They're... They're not. They're That's not. a lazy Twitter reaction. It's a, it's not really that good a joke. I also saw a lot of comparisons on Sunflower to the Beatles. Oh, on, okay. on some of the harmonies yeah. and stuff, and some of the That's way the vocals are done. You know what I love as a side note is I used to be the Twitter reaction guy, and I would have those things to share on the podcast. Right. It's become you now. Right. Well, you're off. Yeah. You're, you, which is good. It's, I'm better for it. It seems like, like it's been a healthy move for Way, you. way healthier. And, and yeah, because it, I like, and I definitely probably have less insight than you would have because I will just read less of it. Yeah. But I think it, we still get the idea. Yes. Um, so but I yeah, that, that. I have noticed that is an interesting shift in the dynamic. It is. It is. So yeah, new Vampire Weekend singles out there. Listeners, let us know what you think. Album out May 3rd. May 3rd is the album release. Okay. Uh, quick hot thoughts here, Jake, before we get into our larger discussion. couple albums of note that came out this past week. Um, and I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on either of these. I don't have a ton to say. Um, the first one, it got a Best New Music on Pitchfork. Uh, it's by an artist called Helado Negro. It's called This Is How to Smile. Um, I actually think this album's excellent. I've listened to this quite a few times since it came out. Took me by surprise. It's kind of this like synth folk album. Yeah, it's a, it's like a very sparse kind of synthy folk deal going. It's a little bit like it's half in Spanish, half in English. It's actually it's beautiful. There's a lot of really nice stuff. Really on it. beautiful stuff. The song sparse, quiet, running. Uh, Fantasma Vaga. Yep. Those two songs are highlights. Um, this one, I, I still want to spend some more time with it to really get a sense and feel, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I can actually see this one eventually becoming like a kind of a sneaky, high ranking album of the year. You know what I would say? And I, I totally agree with you. I think it could be one that sneaks in. Uh, it is, to me, it reminds me of like. If there was a Spanish Sufjan Stevens, mm. Carrie and Lowell kind of thing like, with I a like little more synthiness. Yeah. Um, so if you like that kind of vibe, it's it's very quiet. Yeah. It's very. It's a vibe. As, it is as a vibe. we've been throwing around on the podcast for, for weeks now. We, yep. we, everything's a vibe. Helado Negro is a vibe. It's definitely a vibe. Uh, it, it, it's definitely pretty cool. This other one, Sean, Stella Donnelly, which you shouted out last week in the mm-hmm. release radar. The album's called Beware the Dogs. Um, now, my immediate taste is she's an Australian artist, mm-hmm. I believe, based on the way she sounds when she sings. Um, this is an album that I think sets out to do... It's sort of like a mix between Camp Cope and Sidney Gish or something. Yeah. And it does all the things that I think that last Camp Cope album tried to do, but better. You absolutely nailed it. You you nailed it. Um, it's I... less punk. It's Sonically, it's not trying the same things. But right. in terms of like her vocal delivery and like the takes she's coming at, yeah. So I think I think the subject matter, so like the first song, "Old Man," is basically about just kind of like 
this creepy record executive who is like maybe probably assaulting people and she's kind of i love the line i work too hard for this chance to kind of like let the evil continue or say i'm butchering the line yeah that's essentially the the thing that she's going for there and, and where she's, she's kind like, of calling out these people in power who are actually giving her the opportunity she's like i'm not standing for this shit yeah and where she's like are you is, i think it's are you afraid of me or are you afraid of what i'll do mm. um interesting so it feels and it feels like I even noticed there's some points in her vocal delivery where she reminds me of um, what's her name again? In, in uh, is it Christy Mack in Camp Coke? Something. Ma- oh, is Christy Mack is a porn star? I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, that's not it. <laughs> um, let me let me look up Camp Coke. She's like a famous porn star. Um, you're thinking of it's something Mack like Georgia M- McDonald, Georgia but, Mack, but she goes by Mack. Georgia right. Mack, M- 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 Christy <laughs> Mack is a porn star. <laughs> that's, a, that's a poll, right? There. That's really funny. Uh, no, I totally agree. It does feel like she's handling some of these topics in. Well, okay, look, I think the song "The Opener" by Camp Cope yeah. is actually an incredibly strong, powerful, great message, great song. I yeah. think that song completely nailed everything that Camp Cope was going for. I think the rest of the album from maybe a, a songwriting perspective, we talked a lot about how it just felt like a lot of the same chords just strummed over and maybe in slightly different ways that whole was album. was let down by that, yeah. I am more interested musically in what is happening on Beware of the Dogs than I was on that Camp Cope album. I'm not even talking about lyrical content necessarily because i think they both do a good job of what they're trying to do there i'm a little more interested in like the guitar flourishes that are happening in old man maybe compared to some of just the the general strumming that was happening on that cam cope record yeah that's that was exactly it's something i thought too it's just that it feels like stella donnelly is someone who's a little more musically versatile that's where i get the sydney gish thing is mm. it seems like she has a little, some chops or at least is interested in writing music that has a, a hair more complexity yeah. than, you know, four chords Sure, this, in every song. So, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed this album. The Helado Negro album has kind of taken my attention this yep. week in terms of newer albums. Well, until we get to our, our young thug conversation, oh, right, Jake. Right. But I, I've been able to listen to this album a few times, and there's definitely some highlights. I think Old Man is definitely up there. The song Tricks and Boys Will Be Boys in Tricks the middle of the record is really good. The song Beware of the Dogs, the title track, is also awesome uh, too. I really like whatever that last, the second to last song, what is that one called again? Watching Telly. Yeah, I've been liking Watching Telly too. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, and is one where that she does a lot of different little musical ideas throughout yeah. it. Yeah, so this is cool. This is like a, a very pleasant listen, I think. Um, we, we've been seeing a big... and You know, maybe it's just us. We've been paying attention a little bit more. But I feel like the amount of female singer-songwriters out of Australia or New Zealand specifically feels like it's exploded over the last year or two. Don't Even be- this year, like... Uh, that Julia Jacqueline album was another one, you know? Like, yep. And then we have Camp Cope. The you, Beths. Yeah, the, yeah, there's been a lot of these. So I, I'm liking it. I mean, whatever's going on, on the other, literally the other side of the world. It is sometimes like astounding just how far away that is. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around it, to, oh. be, to be quite honest. How far away that is, yeah. but how like weirdly similar it how, is. How immediate it seems. <laughs> right. It feels like you could very easily talk to an Australian. Absolutely. 
And like they they wouldn't be that different, but they would have certain little things they say and things they do where you'd be like, "Whoa, right? That's weird, right?" Like you do that there. I mean, like you could say the same thing about someone who lives a few states over. I guess sure, that's what I mean. Uh, Yeah, right, true. You know, oh, I thought I thought you were going to say they would say the same about us, which is true. Oh, that that as well. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, both these albums have been really good. Um, So I'm going to continue listening to them. I don't like I said. I, I don't think I've listened to either of these enough to really have tangible breakdowns yet no. but I'm going to throw it out there for listeners that these are both very worth checking out yeah we were never going to do a track by track breakdown yeah, no, of these no 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 what's the last one of those we did oh man I think Jesus no Life of Pablo Pablo I mean. Life of Pablo. Pablo is what I meant uh, uh, did that come out no A Moon Shaped Pool oh yeah yeah that, yeah that was the last one we did I think and then we were like is this the best use of our time is this the most fun way to uh, listen to an album? Here's what I'll Maybe say. Maybe not. It ruined it for us. If I were a listener, I would like the track by track. I would too. But it, honestly, that it ruined it for me for years. I think I'm finally getting out of the moon-shaped pool. Like Nadir. Yeah. Very interesting. It's yeah. something I actually wanted to bring up in one of our segments later. Well, let's, let's dive into that segment, Jake. So this is our weekly recurring segment now in 2019. It's called 2010s in Review. Yep. Uh, we are taking this as an opportunity to revisit or discuss just artists that maybe we missed out on throughout the decade or artists that we love. We talked about The National. We've talked about uh, some other records and artists that we missed in weeks past. This week, Jake, I wanted to talk to you about Young Thug, yeah, who is a trap rapper out of Atlanta who has risen to fame and prominence over the last couple years, and I think he's probably looked at as one of the bigger names in trap rap. I had never gotten into him before now, and I think it's been well documented on this podcast, especially over the last month or two, how much I love trap music at the moment. It's been a big mood for you lately. Exactly. So I I took it upon myself to get into Young Thug because he's a big name in the space. I had never listened to him. And he's been on the scene since, you know, early 2010s uh, in in a lot of different ways. So what I ended up doing is I did a little research. I found the records that kind of had some more critical acclaim around them or were considered his better records. And I ended up listening to Barter 6 and uh, Rich Gang, The Tour, Part 1. So, Barter 6 is just a, a Young Thug solo album. Um, oh, I remember when this came out. I which forgot one? about Barter this. Six? Yeah, yeah, it's I, a cool cover. I remember the album cover. 2014 that came out, and I remember seeing it wow. being like, oh, I wouldn't like that album. Like, that's... Uh, I'm not going to listen to that. I finally did a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was fine. Barter 6 was fine. I think if I had spent more time with it, I would have... I could, I could probably find a way in, but it didn't totally grab me on first listen. I ended up listening to Rich Gang, The Tour Part 1, and this is a collaboration between Young Thug, Birdman, and I think Rich Homie Kwan okay. or something. So okay. they ended up going on a tour together, I think around 2014, something around there. Um, and they put out uh, this tape together as kind of like promotional and like, hey, we're all going on tour together. I did not like it. Rich Gang, The Tour Part 1, Jake, very much at all. Okay. Okay? This was a lot of Birdman. I think it was Birdman at least going, Rich Gang. I heard that like probably 150 times. That would would grate 
Rage Gang. That would, that would it, beca- it became funny after a while, and I kind of like it, it, it's kind of like how Travis Scott will say, It's lit. It's lit. Oh my god. It, kind of like that, but not as endearing. So I did not really like Rich Gang, and I was like, you know what? Maybe Young Thug just isn't for me. Yeah. You know, outside of a few features, you know, because he ended up, if you recall, Jake, he was on uh, that Jamie XX album from 2015. Yes. He was yeah. on um, uh, Good Time or whatever. Right. I, you know, forgot I forget about the that. full track title, but he was on that. That was my first introduction to Young Thug. Uh, he ended up on this Two Chains album that came out this year on the song High Top Versace. He's great on that song. Um, he was also on another track, too. Uh, he was a guest on another one that I really like. So I was like, you know what? Maybe Young Thug will just be a features guy for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I like him in small doses. I can't really take him in, in, in the album format. I gave it one more try with Young Thug. I, I listened to Jeffrey, the 2016 album. Got really, really good reviews. This was my way in. With uh, with Thug, and I will say by extension, it's not my way in. Yes, because upon your recommendation, I gave this album a listen. It's great. It's really good. It's one of my favorite versions of trap yes. I've heard. Yes, it has. Uh, and I, I won't step on your take, but I, I'll just say that for me, it has to do with not just like the hooks, but the way this guy uses his voice, which I think is really yes. interesting. It's this raspy kind of almost scream. It sounds like a scream whisper, if that's possible. Yeah, and his voice will crack sometimes. Which sounds so cool. And he just distorts and uses his voice in really, really interesting ways. And and not for nothing, Jake, Young Thug is kind of the uh, the mentor of Lil Baby and Gunna. Oh, right. So it all comes back to Gunna. And Lil Baby. And, yeah. It's Mostly all- Gunna. Okay, right. right. <laughs> it's always going to come back to him. The thing that I was going to say is that I, I don't want it to be missed that in the first line of his um, of his Spotify description, it's it describes uh, Young Thug as an eccentric fashion icon, which is immediately apparent on the cover of Jeffrey. Yes. In which he's wearing what appears to be some kind of hybrid, like... Asian dress of some kind. Yeah, it's re- it's a cool album cover. It's actually crazy. Yeah, it's, it's really really it's cool. crazy. He has this big like almost like fan hat yeah. and this like flowy beautiful white and blue like gown. It's really really cool. It, it's definitely a look. It's a vibe. Love a vibe. Love a vibe. As he says on uh, Riri. And I remember thinking when this album came out, I was like, that's kind of crazy that 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 not more people are talking about. This album cover. Well, I, I think at the time, this album kind of went viral. This was a big, like, Twitter talking point. Okay. It was a lot of and, jokes and, and memes about, you know, when Young Thug's wearing blah, blah, blah. It's like this, followed by, like, a SpongeBob meme or, like, something like that. It was like a Arthur big... Arthur Fist. Yeah, it was, like, a big deal, as I recall. And one of the cool things about Jeffrey is most of the songs Jeffrey. are named for... People who Young Thug kind of admires. Like there's a song called Wyclef Jean on here. Floyd Mayweather. Swizz Beats. Riri for Rihanna. Kanye West, etc. Kanye West featuring Wyclef Jean. Exactly. I, liked, I like that one is is Harambe. Harambe. That's actually like my least favorite song on here. I, I kind of liked it today when I listened. Um, Future Swag isn't great either. I don't love Future Swag. That, that and Harambe are my two least favorites. But uh, yeah, this album, Jeffrey... Kind of feels like the sound of trap as we know it in 2018, 2019. This felt like maybe one of the first that like sing rapping, just like 
drugged out vibe feels like the kind of the first step in that. And I think one of the reasons why I didn't love Barter 6 or didn't love Rich Gang the Tour Part 1 is it felt not of this time. It already felt really dated to me. The production on it felt dated. There were like kind of goofy samples in there and it just didn't feel like what I was looking for in Trap. I can understand at the time how that was appealing. And I think this genre has moved so quickly and has kind of come into its own so much this decade. There's not a ton of replay value, or at least it's hard to go back to those now knowing what it would become, if that makes sense. It does, and I think we're getting to a point where, at least in the next year or so, if it hasn't already happened, we'll be reaching some kind of uh, market saturation point. I think we're pretty much there. We're pretty much there. If I'm getting into it at this point and having takes on on trap music, I think we're pretty much at market saturation. What I I was going to say, too, is that it seems to me that Jeffrey... Jeffrey. It might be looked back on as like one of the the crown jewels of this movement yeah. in rap. Yeah, maybe if it because it like it, it definitely does really work. Yeah. the whole thing. It feels like they nailed the production on it. And what I'll say is, and what I've liked more about this than others is that it, that I've heard is is his delivery is interesting. He's it's unique. A, he's an interesting vocalist, and he does stuff with his voice that's cool. It's not just sort of like sort of mumbly and right. and kind of like in the clouds the whole time right. there's like a, there's some grit to it Definitely. which is cool I think that you need that um, and to steal your word there's some bops on yes, this yes there are like yes Riri. there are yes and like Kanye West which Kanye you mentioned West, before absolutely. and the aforementioned now I, I've, I've never been clear on this is it pronounced Wyclef Jean or Wyclef Jean? I don't know. Man. I've heard people I'm say Jean. I, it probably is that. It probably is Jean. Kind of like your Jean. name. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it rhymes with Instead of an S. I mean. That first song is great. It's really, really good. It's a consistent album. You know what I love about it too? It's lean. It's a lean 42 minutes, Jake. 10 songs, 42 minutes. And it caps off with Pick Up the Phone, which features Travis Scott and Quavo, which just feels like... It was made in a lab to be like a trap pop hit. Yeah, and, and what I'll say is that I've been I've been more on the outs with the trap stuff than you have. Not intentionally, just I haven't found that much that resonates with me. So when when it came when I decided to listen to this, I didn't have the highest of hopes for it. I wasn't like Fair. necessarily looking forward to it all that much, and it surprised me in a really positive way. That's and, good. Uh, I I'm excited to go back to it. Actually, cool. So, Very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that is another chapter in the trap book. Uh, that is that I'm writing for 2019. Oh, you are. Uh, yeah, it's very figurative right now. Has a have you been signed to a? Do you have a uh, book deal? I have a lot of offers on the table. I'm parsing through them at the moment. So, oh, okay. You know, Where I, I'm what keeping are, it all very close to the vest. I right assume now. you can't disclose. Oh no, the no, companies. no, no. no I of can't. course, of you course can't. not. No, no. no I've signed not. many NDAs. You have. So just don't don't worry. Put that out of your head. Um, okay. I look of, forward to this book you're writing. Speaking man. of head. Jake, yeah. let's talk about Radiohead. Let's talk about Radiohead. So I had this, I had an idea today to discuss them, and I think we we sort of did this with the National. But what I was thinking is that part of 2010s in review can be let's take a look at some of the biggest artists of yes. that decade and the ones who are most important to us, and take a look back at what they did in the decade, what the whatever output they had during that time 
means to their legacy or whatever and what it looks like they're doing going forward. So there's some reasons I wanted to talk about Radiohead and we can kind of dive in. Um, one is that they're a band that's impacted this podcast more than most. I mean, you oh, yeah. think you could put them in the top 10, top five. Top five, Of, of bands like, or artists. Like I think the ones we talk about the most are like Kanye West, The Beatles, Radiohead. The and, National. Yeah, The National. Father John Misty. Yeah, and then throw Kendrick in Lamar. a smattering of others. Frank Ocean. Right. That's maybe like... In, <laughs> stop. No, 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 don't stop. I just mean like that's probably around the top 10. <laughs> right. Uh, so there's that. They've impacted this podcast a lot. However... They really haven't put much out since we've had a podcast. They haven't put much out in this decade entirely. Their entire output um, in the 2010s is 2011's The King of Limbs and 2016's A Moonshaped Pool, mm. which is sort of interesting uh, when you look at they had just come off two decades where they had, you could argue they had a creative peak and then they had another creative peak yeah. in the 90s uh, with The Benz and OK Computer and Pablo Honey to a much, much lesser extent, mm-hmm. um, but it had creep. And then right. in the 2000s, which I think you could, you definitely would have to say is their best decade. I would say Because so. it has Kid A, Amnesiac, Hail to the Thief, and in Rainbows. Yeah. Which is quite a run. So, like, I, I guess let's start there. What To you, what does the 2010s represent for Radiohead? Because And what I wanted to bring up, too, for you is the Moonshaped Pool take. Because for someone who doesn't like a Moonshaped Pool, tough decade for Radiohead. Okay. Let me start there. Okay. When a Moonshaped Pool came out, I think I was lower on it than... It actually deserves. And that take has kind of remained over the last couple years until very recently, big friend of the pod, Kara. Big shout out to her. Big shout. We listened to the entire Radiohead discography, put on a moonshaped pool, and I was like, you know what? This album fucks. This is a really good album. With the exception of like two songs, two or three songs on it that I think aren't their strongest. There's so Tinker many good Taylor, songs. Tinker Taylor, Soldier, Spy yeah. thing. And then there's another one on there, too, that I'm blanking on. But songs like Burn the Witch. Yeah. Um, what's the second one again? I'm bl- blanking on that. Oh, beautiful. The oh. piano one. Oh, God. What is that called? Uh, but I True Love Waits. Oh, Daydreaming? Day Day, yeah, Daydreaming, I think. Uh, True so, Love Waits. I love the numbers. Um, Identikit is yep. great. Uh, Present Tense. I it's mean, really like, there, okay, there's some great songs on a Moonshape Pool. I'm actually much higher on that album than I was previously. And you know what? Dude, Desert Island Disc, Dex Dark, those are those good. Are, this is full a, stop is the other end. Full stop is is eh. But this is a fantastic album, Jake. And I think you and I have always been higher on King of Limbs as well. When than that others. came out, within others, I think a lot of people say, ooh, King of Limbs is a low point. I disagree. I love that album and still do. I think we probably got caught up in the excitement of a new Radiohead release because we had never experienced that as Radiohead fans yet and King of Limbs was our first time and experience having that. There were a couple of things with the King of Limbs. One, it was that, um, which is, yeah, it was the first one where we were fans consuming it in real time. Two, it was that I had to have a breakthrough with it because my first five listens even though I was like, yeah, it's good, it's good. <laughs> Trying to convince yourself. There was a part of me that was like, what the fuck is going on with like the first half of this album? <laughs> What is going on with Bloom? The drums are all weird. Like, Morning Mr. Magpie is right. weird as fuck. Yep. Like, little by little, I don't get what they're going for. This album grew on me like crazy. And that is a formative, like, experience for me. In that time of my life, it was a really important album. Because it, like, yet again, in Rainbows was one of the first ones that did this to me. But uh, The King of Limbs proved to me, like, I could really... you If you just enough time, you can really break through on an album like this. I, as I, difficult as some of it was. I remember... 
this album coming out like it was yesterday. I, it was springtime, so it was second semester of college. I remember leaving class. I was in my car. I had to stop and get gas. And the, the only way I could listen to it, I wanted to listen to it immediately. And I think it had just come out that day, and I downloaded it onto my laptop. And because if you recall, it was the same deal as in Rainbows where you just yep. downloaded it from their website or whatever. Pay what you feel. Exactly. So I downloaded it onto my laptop. I hadn't had a chance to put it on my iPod or anything yet. And I was listening to it over my laptop speakers in my car. Whoa. I just opened up my laptop and was like, yep, I'm listening to this this way in my car. That Not a, the best way to listen to King of Limbs for the first time. It's certainly a weird way to hear Bloom for the first yes. time. Uh, and I was like, ooh. My speaker quality is not great, and these drums like don't make sense. Are like yeah, seemingly conflicting with one another. But over time, I think we've really grown to love that album. We also got to see them on tour uh, that spring as well in support of in King of Limbs, which was great. Um, so to answer your original question, what do we make of Radiohead in the 2010s? I would say it is just sustained success into another decade, into another era of their career when you look at a lot of other bands um and you know the weird one i always think about that i like to compare is like rem who yeah, has yeah. been around for an equally amount same amount of time has been pretty consistent throughout their entire career too but i think when you look at late late day rem there's definitely kind of a drop off in terms of like capital I important or oh. this album really matters. I think the the biggest compliment you can pay Radiohead in the 2010s is that all of their albums still matter and they're an event. And that is never dropped off and it, it like the next time they put one out, if they put one out, it's still going to be an event and it's still going to matter. And I think the thing with REM and it's a mistake that Radiohead has not made. You it's probably not the right way to look at it to say it's a mistake, but REM's put out a lot more albums than Radio. True, and like that's I think part of it is like it doesn't feel like an event because they do it more often. Yeah. Also, it, which has made it feel less special. And yeah, there's been some dip in quality. Um, and so this is the, the tough question. Before we move on to the second sort of subcategory of this, is the despite how good it is and how much it meant to us and how much I I love a King of Limbs and I love a Moonshade Pool, uh, is this the worst decade of Radiohead? Does it have to be? Yeah, it does, because each of the other decades had at least well, I, two classics, Stone Cold classics. Yeah. Now, granted, there was more output in each of those decades than what we've gotten, but I, I, you can't say the King of Limbs or Moonshape Pool is on the same level as an OK Computer, a Kid A, or an In Rainbows. You can't. And for that reason, it, yeah, it's their worst decade as a band. Which is in terms of output. It is, and that sounds almost unfair to frame it that way because their output's still been better than most artists. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you're comparing it to their career, yes, it's probably their worst. So you said something earlier, Sean, that I want to I want to use as a, a segue to the next bit, which is that you said um, that you, you mentioned if they make another album. Right. Right. I think that's a real question because so we talked about this when we did the Moonshade Pool podcast. Back in 2016 when it came out, right, um, which is that it seemed like they kind of emptied their vault on that yeah. album. They they put Identikit, True Love Waits. I think there's even a couple others that they had they had toured before. People knew from years of yeah. touring. 
it's not something they hadn't done before, but it, you know, like because they did that on. Some, I think Nude was an example of a song like that that right. they did where they'd been touring it since and changing it since way back in, um, like I think the in the the Ben's days. So it seems like they kind of emptied the vault there. They're they're getting a little older. I mean, there's no denying yeah. that Tom York is is fifty. Right. Uh, I think the rest of the bands in their late forties, around the same age, um, and. So, like, what do we think realistically can be next for them, and and could they possibly have another good, solid decade in the twenty twenties? So, that would be unprecedented, maybe. Yeah, it would. Is there a band that's had four decades mm. in which they've released at least two albums? Say that that's the bar. At least two albums across four decades, which would be what Radiohead right. would do with twenty twenties, where there's not a noticeable drop in quality, or if there is, even if you're going to argue the King of Limbs, it's at least still good and it's at least still interesting and a change up. I'm trying to think of what band that would be. Van Halen. <laughs> no, some no. people might say the Rolling Stones. No, some people might say the Rolling Stones. Right, but even them. But like, no, no, I don't think so. With the Stones, it's like 60s, sure. 70s, 70s yes. Yeah. 80s, not so much. Mm, right. 90s, certainly no. not. No, I think the answer to that is no. The second piece is, will they keep releasing music? Maybe. Well, look, it's not like the, the members of this band haven't been working on stuff or putting stuff out. Obviously, Johnny Greenwood has been doing a lot of stuff with film scores. He's been doing a great job with that. Tom York is still doing solo stuff. He worked on the Suspiria soundtrack. Like, they're all still doing stuff. It seems like maybe their interests have shifted a little bit where they don't feel like they need to be releasing stuff under the Radiohead name anymore. But again, I mean, it's only been three years since their last album. I mean, they did put out the single Ill Wind this year in January. I mean, I think we're going to get some other release by Radiohead in the 2020s. I, I do. I don't know how much. I don't know what the quality will be. I would assume it's going to be good. Honestly, like, I, I do. I, like, if there's one band who I'm going to bet on it being a quality release, it's going to be Radiohead. Yeah, I feel like you can put your money on yeah. it. Yeah. Because I just think there's something... They've struck something that I don't think any other band I can think of has, which is that they seem to... Whether if they have internal band drama, if they have any of that, you never hear about it. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about any of that strife, and you don't hear about any, of the, any, any drama behind the scenes. Also... They're a vault, man. They're a, they're a black box. You I don't know. know what goes on in there. Which I think is... They release so little about like, it. They all seem yeah. like such quiet, introverted dudes that you wonder how they ever even communicate. It seems to... They have a good hand... And this is just a pure speculation. By so me. is what I'm saying. This is all just what my perception of them as a band is. Like you said, you don't hear about any bullshit going on. It seems like they ha they're, they're not pressured either externally or internally to put out music when they're not ready to do it because if you look at the gap between king of limbs and a moonshape pool i mean that was five years i think there was a lot of speculation then that maybe king of limbs would be the last album i think they're just going to put stuff out when they want to put it out i think we will continue to get stuff but it's not going to be on any regular schedule or on anyone else's terms but their own is it is there another band where if they put out a new album and the announcement comes out, because usually it is a surprise with them yeah. now, where there's another band where people get as excited across the board, across generations of rock fans, <sighs> and as unequivocally just like trusting it, like you said, like this is going to be good, definitely will. No. I don't think there there's is. Not. And I think that's like a big reason why they're such a, like a treasure yeah. as a band. Absolutely. Like I think... 
there's certain bands where the excitement and the hype is there. Like, I, I think about any time even a new Strokes album is announced. But the reliance on, on it's going to be good is not there with any of those other bands that you might be as excited about. Because the assumption for the Strokes is that it will be bad. <laughs> At this point, the now, yeah. People assume a new Strokes record will be bad. And, and I think everyone, the excitement actually comes from maybe it'll reach the heights of Is This It or Room on Fire. Which is impossible because, and it's another thing that is to Radiohead's credit, which is that they never seem tied to youth. Right. Like Radiohead never was a band where like they had their cachet because they were cool, hot no, guys. No. Who like looked good in tight jeans and right. like like had like that kind of image. Like Radiohead was a band of fucking misfits. Yeah. Who they all seem like kind Are of Are you weird. quoting the Queen Bohemian Rhapsody movie? Yes. Oh oh best actor, Rami Malek. Yeah, well Okay. Um, it's and they're a band that's changed a lot over time, but yeah. like they spiritually, for some reason, it seems like Radiohead just maintains this identity. It, it goes back to it's almost like they have this like band, uh, almost like mentality of they're kind of all in it together in a way. Like e- even on their song, we're a family. We're a family, right? Exactly. <laughs> hey, they did like Queen. Fuck that movie. <laughs> it's not very good. Um, all their songs say written by Radiohead. That's true. Throughout the track list. That's true. I've always assumed Tom it's, York it is seems, the primary songwriter. Uh, right. And I would love to get a little more insight into like that whole process. But Is that the cost though? Is that the cost for a band it, being this good for this long? Is that you don't might be. put your gonna, ego aside. Yeah. And and as fans, the story around them will never be as fulfilling as maybe you want. But is, that the is price? it actually more fulfilling to have sustained decades of greatness than it is to have that story? That yeah. goes along with it. I think so. I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see what the next decade has in store. I think the story on Radiohead in the 2010s is solid maintaining of their legacy. Yeah, and I think the, the the biggest thing is like it's a marvel that they did maintain and stayed a band and stayed creatively interesting. And, and there's a conversation to be had here too. If you want to expand it from Radiohead, you can say all right, what was the sum total of all of the stuff they put out? Like the Johnny Greenwood scores, the Tom York stuff. Like that can't get lost in this either because what other band could have these guys go do projects like this with that much attention on them and still just kind of maintain as a band too? Because it's not like these guys have just been like, oh, we're not doing anything. They're still out in the public sphere, like there's still there's still a lot of eyes and ears on them, right? And they've still been able to maintain all that despite the solo success as well. And it does. It also feels like in the 2010s, it was sort of, and it happened in a in a subtle way. But I wonder if you perceived this as well. This it was almost like the decade where Tom York more became a celebrity. Yeah, he went viral with like the Lotus Flower video. He's more of a meme now. Yeah, Tom York. It was never. Do you think? I think that's weirdly helped though. I think it has helped, and I, I and I also think um, that yeah, it was like only a matter of time because he's such an eccentric performer. You know what? Too, it feels like Radiohead has stayed relevant too because we've had the twentieth anniversary of OK Computer. Yeah. Um, you know, the twentieth anniversary of the Benz was this decade too. Like, we're about to hit the twentieth anniversary of Kid A. So. It has, and they did the re-release of OK Computer and everything, and there was a lot of like talk around that on like music blogs and podcasts and things like that. Like we did an OK Computer anniversary episode. Yeah, man. Say for example that okay, that they release an album in 2023. Yep. 
there is a, a world out there, there's a version of Radiohead story where they release their most famous song and then 30 years later release a relevant album oh, that yeah. really matters to people. Yep. And that's a fascinating... It is. Like, potential thing. I could easily see that happen. I think it, like, will. Probably will. Because, yeah, what I was all I was going to say is basically the same thing as you had, which is I think in the 2020s they probably, they probably dropped, like, two albums. Yeah. Maybe in like 2023 and 2028. Yeah, that, that would make sense. And like, they're both they're good. Yeah, absolutely. So, interesting band. And I, I think let's keep doing these with other I, bands. I, I like it. I like it. Um, cool. So, let's wrap up, Jake, with our release radar. Not a lot this week. No, really not. But you know what? I think that's good. We've been on kind of a tear. And this will give us a chance to maybe listen to some more trap music. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, it's we have... Jeffrey. A Karano and Danger Mouse collaboration that feels like it's a decade too late. I, I was say tell for anyone to care. I almost put a comment in the agenda that was that was like, is there any album that is more likely to catch Sean's ire <laughs> when we talk about it? But it, you know what's weird is like I really like Karano yeah, and yeah. Danger Mouse is fine. But I always feel like Danger Mouse Danger pisses Mouse, you off okay. a little bit. Danger Mouse has become the cliche producer yeah. for indie bands who are like, ooh, we're, we're leveling up. We're, we're taking the next we're step. We're taking the next step. It's the major label debut producer yeah. for your favorite indie band. Yeah, and I, I fucking hate that. No, I know. I, I hear it. I mean, although... He because produced, he doesn't add anything. He was on that Parquet Courts record. Oh, he was? Yeah. Wide awake? Yeah. He produced that whole thing? I believe so. I'll check. Okay, I'm going to eat my words if that's the case. But I think he's on that. Okay. No, I'm not giving you shit. I'm just saying, because I remember bringing it up. <laughs> oh, right, In right. that moment, you were like, oh, Danger Mouse. <laughs> I think it made you want to listen to it less. It did. It did. And I kind of put it out of my head that he was involved in that in any way. So, okay. I'm probably not going to listen to this unless it gets rave reviews. And oh, like no. I said... Oh, I won't listen to it either. This is at least... A decade late, Jake. I think this would have been a cool collaboration in 2007. People would have gotten really excited about this. Yeah, it would have blown people away. 2019, this isn't moving the needle at all. So the other one that we have here is a Stephen Malkmus uh, solo album called Groove Denied. I'm sure this will be very solid. I'm sure it'll be fine. Might not listen to this one either. I don't think... I don't know if I'm going to listen to any new music this week. I don't think I'm... I'm Unless something like crazy comes out. Maybe there'll be a rap album out there that I can wet the beak with. I saw some other stuff mentioned, but they didn't see much on Metacritic for coming up. And and Sean Parquet Court's Wide Awake was, in fact, produced by Danger Mouse. All right, well, Broken Clock is right twice a day. (laughs) This guy with a great track (laughs) record. I know, I know, I know. Uh, You know, maybe not fair to Danger Mouse. He... He's an easy kind of punching bag. Yeah, at it's this funny. Point. It's He's, funny because yeah. your point that, that's that is the thing is like it does feel like whenever an indie band is like oh, we're going to do a cool new thing, Parquet Courts did something really interesting where they mixed in like a bunch of folk and like yeah, not folk, funk, funk, folk is not what they used. No, 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 no. at all. No. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the release radar. That is the episode. We will be back early next week with our Beatles March Madness bracket to determine the best. AKA our favorite Beatles song of right. all time. I'm very excited. We'll see you then. Thanks, everyone. It's fine because we have to do the Beatles thing, so right. we can rip through this. Okay. So we're on. Okay. Um, Sean, explain to me what you. So the question I was going to ask, we were talking about uh, 
the Chess with Friends app. Yeah. And Sean, you play your dad, and yeah. you were saying that he's really good, and you beat him recently, which you were pumped about. What percentage of games are you able to beat him in? I'll tell you, because there, there's stats okay. in the app. It's uh, one, this, of, my, it's one of my favorite things about the app. Is So it crashes all the time, actually, I'm and sure it's like a that. huge pain in the ass. All right. <laughs> so I've played my dad over the past year since we started playing, basically, 42 times. Okay. Oh, no, so sorry, 43 times. I expected more. I thought it was going to be like over 100. He, no, Matt and I have played almost 200 games against each other. Uh, my dad doesn't answer as quickly and is more like methodical. Matt and I rip through games. Okay. My dad is a little slower. We started playing after the fact, too. Matt and I had already been playing for a long time. My dad and I played 43 times. How many do you think I've won out of that 43? Based on the fact that you said he's really good and it's hard to beat him and you were pumped to beat him, I'm going to guess that he has won 27. You're giving me a lot of credit. I'm 6 and 36 Whoa. in one against him. One he's draw. He's fucking he's good. 6 wins, 36 losses, one draw against him. Um so That's not quite I beat what I him like maybe once a month. Wow. Maybe. I have gotten better recently and our games have been much closer. Like a few months ago, he would just like embarrassing checkmates on me. Really? And a lot of it comes down to I just didn't pay attention close enough. And you're learning from your mistakes. Exactly. And you're used to shooting from the hip with Matt. Exactly. Yeah, because I can do that against Matt, and it's fine most of the time. Right. But against my dad, he makes me pay, and the last few games have been way closer. Even if he's beat me, it's gotten down to the bitter end where it's like we're promoting our pawns to queens and like that whole situation rather than him just like checkmating me with like a full board still. <laughs> Your dad is sneaky, very, very smart. He's super smart. He's a really smart guy in like different ways. Yeah, like the I'm going to beat your ass at chess. Exactly. Way, which yeah. is a, that's intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's beat me a lot. Uh, I, I want to hear. Okay. I want to hear about your pre show stuff. My favorite. I, I kind of want you to start with this one. Okay. But why don't you read what's in the notes? Just neighbors talked to me. Okay. So this happened today. <laughs> I was getting home from work and I, I went to the gym at work before I went home to take a quick shower and then head over here. Uh, and get pizza from Jimmy's Pizza. We're right. continuing our pizza thing. Anyways, right, right. so I'm walking in, and my neighbor from downstairs, he's he works in HVAC. So this dude works in a trade. Blue collar guy. He's with his buddies. They're working smoking with cigarettes. His hands. Of course. And he sees my dumbass come waddling in. I've got my fucking winter coat on, my big baggy winter coat, my backpack from work, my gym bag, and shorts and running shoes on. What a look. And so one of his friends goes like, oh, did you just go to the gym? And he starts talking to me. And we had a little bit of a conversation, like I had told him I work where I work, and he said that they work in HVAC, and I was like, well, I don't work in a trade, but I hear there's great money in it. When I'm in a conversation with, with guys like this, yeah. nice as they are, right. I always assume they're making fun of me right after. And, and I think that striking up the conversation with me to begin with was kind of mocking. A gag. Yeah, because I don't think <laughs> like, they... Let's talk to this guy. I don't think they like us, because some of... Like, we have complained about the fact that, like, it seems like that dude smokes cigarettes in the house all the time. Right. Um, and so our landlord has told him to stop. So he knows <laughs> someone in the house said something. Right. So I'm like, these dudes are definitely, like, they're, they, like, they know that I never talked to my neighbor and or they think uh, I'm, like, some kind of fucking goob. Okay. I think you might be reading too much into it. I think I am. 
I know what you mean when you talk to a blue collar guy who seems to be like salt of the earth. You know, maybe they have just like constant grease on their hand. Do you know what I'm talking about? When we were yes. cinematic, yes, I mean, of course I do. There would always be this archetype of and guy. These guys do. They just always look dirty. Always wearing a hoodie, a gray hoodie that's a little faded. They always come in and they have some kind of grease on their hands that yes. does not go away. These guys do. No matter how many times they're washing them. They're in Carhartts. Carhartts that are paint speckled. Yep. And they always had a wad of cash. They paid for everything in cash. Right. Yeah. No cards. A lot of cash. A couple other things go through my mind when I'm talking to people in trades. I want to seem more down to earth than I am. Mm. Not that I'm a hard guy to talk to, but I want to seem less fucking neurotic, geeky. Yeah. Than I am, and less like ooh, blah, 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 <laughs> fucking pencil neck ish. You know what I mean? You certainly don't have a pencil neck, though. No, no one can. No one can claim that. I don't have a pencil neck, right. but I am like a fucking nerd and a geek, and yeah. like kind of a fucking you know loser. But <laughs> no, okay, you need to stop the negative. In the high self no, no, I'm talking more about these are like deep seated like high school paradigm right. ideas. Where like okay. the, you know what I mean? These guys are like a little bit tougher, right? A little bit like they right. experimented with drugs younger. Definitely, they started drinking younger. Definitely, they drink like just domestic. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're only drinking Bud Heavy. They Right, yeah. Or like whatever. Yeah. Which is good. A fine yeah, beer. It's fine. That happens. I also always want to validate the things they're saying and like not allow them to think for us. Because I think there's a defensiveness yeah. where I don't want them to think I think they're dumb. Right. So I try to be like... Do you think just you thinking that they might think that is actually yes. you thinking they're dumb? Uh, I've thought about that. And I don't think they're dumb. I th Well, I think... There's, I think I think I think this you, is, you sort of do by just thinking that. Well, do you think that with someone if you're talking to like someone you work with? No, absolutely not. And okay. this, this is a trust. Well, with some exceptions, this is a trust tree situation. Okay, you're telling me you've never had this thought. No, of course I have. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Of course I have. Yeah. And I'm I'm uh, this is kind. Of, I'm asking for both of us. Are we so sensitive to that and being like, oh, I don't think these guys are any different than me? But just by having that thought, you think they're you different. Do they are different than us? Yeah, like anyone. I mean, like every two people are different than one another. But we're more similar than we than are with I these guys. Them. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think that when you're in an interaction like that, on both sides, you're perceiving it. Right. Like they're definitely like, okay, this dude. Like, I can't, I can't tell if he's cool. I can't tell if right. he's like someone who like or a fucking narc. Yeah. Like, a, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and on the other side, I'm like, I can't tell if this is someone who like maybe. Like, would beat me up. Or, like, yeah. deals pills to his buddies. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I, I like, do, got a, like, had a back surgery and, like, got hooked on Oxy and, like, oh God. sells yeah. them to his friends. Like, this is just the stuff that goes through my head. Right. Something, I, I get it. I get it. It's just concern. And it's like... It's a weird dynamic. My, I try to be as accommodating and nice as possible. But you're right. In the process, I end up being classist. I think, I think so. Yeah, which is fucked. Because... Let's say this was just anyone else. You wouldn't go through this whole mental gymnastics routine. No. You'd be like, oh, hey. And you'd go upstairs to your apartment. The, but this is what was interesting about this. His buddy, his friend, really engaged me immediately and like started asking questions off the bat. You ever seen this guy? No. He was like, where do you work? And I huh. told him. And he was like, oh. And I was like, yeah, they have a gym there. He's like, what do you do there? Immediately like really? trying to engage me. This dude was very talkative. Were they drinking? Yeah, they'd had a couple of drinks. Maybe they smoked some weed. I don't know. They do sometimes. That, yeah, that might have been it. 
And I was just like, but if I had, I would not want to talk. But again, that's these guys. Yeah, these dudes are on a different. They're plane. a little like they might have done an upper too of some kind. <laughs> You're making a lot of assumptions on their pill usage. <laughs> I know, man. I know I am, but I'm just. I, I can only base it on. Really of, funny. Well, but it, I, so this is all the shit that goes through my I know, head. I know, I know, I know, and I thought is I'm like, watch your fucking moves here, Jake, right? because they like maybe don't like you. They, and I, yeah. the thing is, is, I just want people to like me all the time, no matter who they are. I know, I know. And no, it, I, this is all a fair take. It's all fair. Um, but I, I think you are probably thinking about it more than they are. Yeah. <laughs> so of course they, I they forgot they interacted with you. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, right. I mean, it was, they've done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And based on the noise from downstairs and the smells from downstairs, right. they have definitely forgotten <laughs> by now, and they're on to something else. I see. Maybe you adopt more of that that mindset. Maybe I don't, again. I, I don't want this to come across like I don't like these guys. Right. They seem fun. No, of course they seem nice. And like I just mean, these are all the the maybe. Yeah. If you worried about it less. Yeah. You would, they would just naturally like if you were just more like oh, yourself. I am though. That's the thing is like I don't think that I came across worried to them. I'm worried okay. at all times. Okay. No matter what the interaction, like it doesn't matter if it's a peer, if it, right. whoever. I'm pretty much. You know, always would have been a cool move to ingratiate yourself is saying, "Can I bum one of those smokes?" Yeah, right. Exactly. That's, and that's say it exactly that way. Smokes. Too. Yeah, one of those smokes, and be like, "Oh." I left my lighter upstairs. Right. You guys got a light? Or, can, then, I, or can I bum a cig? Yeah. Saying and then you cig cough is... after inhaling because you don't actually smoke. Right, yeah. I would immediately embarrass myself. Yeah. I'd hold it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next couple things because I got a list of pre-show okay. stuff okay. this week. Um, I went on a run this week and I fell. This has happened to me. Icy out there. It wasn't ice. It was muck. This has happened okay. to me twice okay. ever. Okay. This is ever, twice ever. Once... Was at Doors Pond, which were people... I remember that this was another pre-show story. Yeah, I tripped and fell in front of like a family. Yeah. Have you ever fallen running? Uh, no. Okay, well that's good. I have now fallen twice ever. No, I haven't. Which I, I think like is a decent track record. Yeah. You know, uh, like I've run a fair amount over the last four years. And only two of them did I ever slip and wipe out. Like I, I'll take it. I probably have. I just can't think of it. Right. I just am saying I'll, I'll take that record, especially for me, who seems like someone who would fall way more often. Yeah, I have fallen during cross country races. That's running. R- okay, then yes. But you're the people are jostling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So this time I was in front of, I, like, I was running by someone's house. I was on the sidewalk, and it was like kind of like a hill. And to avoid some snow, I ran on some muck, like yeah. next to the snow. And their dog from the yard was barking at me. Oh, yeah. Right. And they, sometimes that startles you. Yeah, so I kind of course. looked at the wrong time and slipped on the mud. Right. Felt like pretty hard oh, in front no. of this person's house. Oh. Skinned my knee really bad. Oh. But I was just thinking, like, what are the odds that the two times I've ever fallen, it's in front of people and it's really embarrassing. And this lady was on her yeah. porch. And she was like, oh, like, are you okay? And I was already, like, running. I just, right. I just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't care. Going. You could have broken your leg. And the adrenaline and embarrassment from that. Would have you would have run through it. You would have been fine until you were out of eyesight. Yeah, and so I was actually bleeding a lot. So it, really, like from my knee, I oh, skinned my shit. knee really bad, um, and it was bleeding pretty. But when I got home, I was like, there was blood all down my leg. Um, Damn. And so th- this, which leads me to my other take, which is that I had a band aid on yesterday and today. Oh. Band aids as an adult suck, especially if you have hair on your legs. Oh my god! And if you're trying to put it on a knee, yeah, where it is, it's like it's bending. on this knee, and yeah. it's like it's bending all day, and it's like my, you know, my legs are hairy. It's, you know, what I considered doing? 
I considered shaving around it. Oh, yeah. I didn't do it because I was like, that's a weird move. The hair does add another element. What kind of Band-Aid was this? Was this one of the... Band-Aid brand. Was this one of the bigger ones, though? Yeah, I have, like, a big... I could show... I have pants on. I can't show you. But it's, like, it's one of those ones I, that's, I, like... I can picture like it. That for a knee. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, a knee. It's, like, a... Yeah. Okay. Something it's specifically for, like, you skinned your knee. It's exactly what it's for. Right. And I had two of them, and I've used... Band-Aids do suck. They're annoying. They're, like, the best we have, I guess. They're useful, but... They're, they're definitely useful. But they as, suck. But as soon as I don't have to wear them, I don't want to. Of course. So, yeah. That was the other thing is wow. I fell down in front of someone. And it's just like... In, I, I'm already like... when The two times it's happened, I've been up and running before like I oh, yeah. even realize what happened oh, yeah. to me. That's the move. You don't want anyone to be like, oh, we need to help this man. Oh God, no, dude, no. no. Because that's it's so embarrassing. What did you did you acknowledge this woman? I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I would have done. She was like, are you yep. okay? I was like, yep. And I just kept going. <laughs> Pretend it's fine. Like I have someone to impress on this fucking stoop. Your your neuroses is just like really showing itself with all these interactions or near interactions. Dude, oh it's, my god, this, this is, is amazing. A look inside my brain. Yep. Last what's, thing. what's this last one? I like this is you're on a roll here. The, the, the last thing is that I'm flying next week. Oh boy, <laughs> with my family to go to Disney World, which is like, first of all, that's a whole other pre-show. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it when we'll I get, get back that on from, Monday. Or, when, I get, or, yeah. when I get back from Disney yeah. World, I'll have some takes about <laughs> Disney World. Um, but we're flying Southwest. So I don't know if you heard in the news. Uh, oh, I heard. There was an Ethiopian's airlines crash. Everyone on board killed. <laughs> I know. It's really, not funny. It's not. But like, really holy bad. fuck. So, a few months back, yeah. or like a year back, whatever, an Indonesian Airlines flight crashed, yeah. killing everyone aboard. Yeah. Both of these planes were Boeing 737s. Right. Now, there's a couple of American <laughs> airliners who have this kind of plane. Right. American is one. Southwest is another. Right. We are flying Southwest Dude. to Orlando. This is too. This is too much. And this is too perfect. I know for a fact we're going to be on a Boeing seven thirty seven. So it basically, both these flights crashed within the first ten minutes after takeoff. Oh my god! Okay. So if we make it past ten minutes, you're golden. I'm going to be feeling good. Won't feel great while taking off though. Do they These, know what the issue was? They're electrical failures. Dude, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Neither do I. It's really scary. <laughs> oh my god. Because dude, like and just the knowledge that everyone dies. Oh my god. You won't live. If this happens, and it won't, but if it happens and it might, yeah. I will be dead. I really hope that doesn't happen. Me too. Um I got a flight there and a flight back to get back. I to also get think it's funny that Basically, every other country that has these planes in their in their fleets yeah. have said, "No, we're grounding those until we like can really tamp this issue down." When I first and I love that we're like, "Nope, when <laughs> we're, I, we're flying them wherever." Dude, when I first heard that, I was like, "Oh, good, they'll ground, they'll nope. use another plane." Nope, nope. I'm, I'll probably be in a seven thirty seven. I mean, I hope the reason why they're keeping them in the air. It's like they're like no 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 we have this issue locked down like this isn't an issue for us that's all these other countries that have the issue not us not america they said they're waiting for more information <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea it does seem like playing you know russian roulette a absolutely because it's like one of those might crash eventually dude it might be yours it could be mine. That's what I'm saying. Jesus Christ. Because like, the odds aren't great. This might be one of our last podcasts. We're going to hit episode 150 on Monday before you leave. It's and that's going to be it. You know, at least if it happens while the last few minutes will be the worst thing I ever experienced. 
True terror. When we crash, I'll be evaporated by the by the blast. Are you sure? Is that is that what will happen? Yeah, man. That's the only way. When you look at the footage of the of yeah. these crashes, yeah. there's nothing left. Okay. There's nothing. It's like a little bit of metal. Jesus. These people just Christ. burn up. I Especially it. 10 minutes in, it's a full tank of gas. Ah, that's true. Or fuel. That's true. Dude, you're burning up instantaneously. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. But it Anyways, can burn your, it will your burn husk. human flesh. This is unbelievable stuff. Jake, this was an all-time pre-show from you. Yeah. I, I, I love all of I this. I had some bullet points. This was great. Uh, let's let's dive into the episode. Okay. Um, we'll probably yeah, we'll, we'll rip through this one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here we go. Three, two, one. 